Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host, the Cloud 2030 Podcast. In today's episode, we drill in to metadata, the elusive topic of what actually is used to describe the provenance and information that comes with our data, the governance, security, intent, domains, date, um, logistics, all of these pieces and parts that accompany data um, in ways that in some senses are more important than data, but also determine how we can move and change, transform the data. We had a really robust conversation about how access to data is so critical in actually understanding how data is used and if it even can be. Uh, This is one of those topics that we really do struggle with in that defining it, figuring out the naming, how things work, and the context. More than anything else, the context uh, really makes things challenging. And as you listen to this, I, I hope that you will think through just how challenging it is to really define data, data governance, and using data effectively, because that's ultimately the point. I know you'll enjoy the discussion. Thanks. So what uh, what do you think about metadata? Like what, what kinds of concepts are interesting to you about metadata? Uh, a really good question. I think when I look at data systems in general, I, I typically underestimate the value on the metadata piece. Oh, cool. Um, and, and I think that um, I think we don't talk about that part of the systems enough um, when we when we look at it, Andrew. Um, it's it's a layer we're we're talking about metadata today although we're we're still in we're still in warm up mode um uh, i boy i really i really do think that we don't we don't spend enough time like thinking about how important metadata is or attaching it to systems and then ex- extending it it's hard for me to get a sense of what metadata looks like in big data just i just just not just outside of my I can a little bit. I know that like even in our product, we have we added metadata field. They end up um, surprising me in their utility. Um, because because basically they let us describe things that are going on with the system in ways that don't require model changes, but aren't they're, they like they can describe behavior of, of systems without being data about the system. That's helpful. There's, there's this. It's a separate. Boy, I, I love this question because I, I haven't. I, I don't think we've done a good job in general, um, defining metadata, hey, Tyler, um, in a way that's that's really actionable for people. Um, I mean, Andrew, I do you have a, you have a thought? Data. That's that also applies to data in general. Um, that. And and metadata is almost too generic of a term. It's like the domains that you're talking about and the type of analysis that you'd want to do on something. Because on some lens, like metadata, one one person's metadata is another person's like data, right? So right. It's, it's, 
it's a question of what, what are you trying to do? It, there's there's an element in metadata, and actually part of what we wanted to do in, in today's discussion was to get in and define a bit of what what metadata should should be. Um, like what's required metadata. We we in the last conversation, we had a couple of ways in which we we, we thought there was necessary metadata, um, like um date, date time. Uh, who created the data, who's allowed to see the data, governance pieces. Um, and our, our goal for today was to get a step further towards like what should be included in metadata. Are there necessary uh, baseline requirement metadata or, or categories of metadata that we should consider? But Andrew, you're right. It's, it's almost impossible. I, I think it's, it's impossible to consume data without metadata attached to it. Oh, it's certainly possible, but it's like giving a kid a handgun. Okay. Yeah, I, I almost think that you need to define the, the the domain you're trying to deal with and what what you're trying to ask and answer about it, because that that metadata you just listed, like that could be core data for answering certain types of questions. Uh huh. And then there there's when when you start to get the governance and I, I i don't know exactly um where we're trying to take this but there's lots of times where you you have a bunch of data and you you don't want everyone to have all of it right so like the governance and being able to obscure so that so then data becomes or the metadata becomes kind of this core thing that you're using to filter for what gets through to the next layer or whatever you're trying to analyze ah oh, boy it, I've definitely one of the uses that is, and I'm I'm the least experienced data metadata person on the call, I suspect. Um, right. But I, I think that when you figure out what you're doing with the data, the metadata is part of that, that process, right? It's, it's key to that process. I mean, this is why I said, I'm going to go like, I, I actually think it's an arbitrary distinction. Like the, the metadata is core to the data too, right? It's, it's all data, it's data, 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 all the way down. And you just, you, you're only calling it metadata because you have this particular localized focus on certain thing, but it's still data. So it, it is, but I, I think part of the way I see it, and one of the reasons why I like calling it metadata is as we, as the data goes through its pipeline is the word that I want to use, but but it's it's life the life cycle of that data. One of the things I think that's distinctive about the metadata piece is that it's additive to the data during that journey. So, like I could just have a you know a feed out of a sensor, um, and it's just the, the it's just the temperature. Great, but so at you know at the time of collection of that data i'm going to add a whole bunch of metadata about when i collected it or where it was or what sent like all, all of those pieces but as things aggregate forward that data is you know the the handling of that data is going to include a, a collection of metadata and by the end of it you're, we're going to have way more information about in the metadata than the values for the data yeah I, I feel like that's reinforcing what I was saying, right? Because it's like you have yeah. the sensor network and there's all this temperature data or whatever, all these time series, but that that's much more valuable, much more powerful 
if you could start to tag the time and the place and the rest of that stuff. And that, that analysis is going to come almost be dependent on what you're calling the metadata then. So then it's contextualizing the data to give you the insights that you actually need. And we're back to our old framework of data plus context equals information with analysis equals insight. Isn't there a way to kind of fast track that? You feel like part of this could, like part of what we're talking about, because I guess part of my thinking on metadata is that if I took the, the value out of the, the data out, the metadata, it, it should, you know, we, we might say, oh yeah, here's a whole bunch of temperature data, but it took out the data. You don't actually know what the temperatures were. The metadata maybe, is too, maybe it's a bad example. Go ahead, Rich. The way I think about it here is that the metadata actually supplies a lot of the context in which you determine what the primary data or the data of focus is. Um, you know, you can you can assess its value in that context. You can talk about how you want to add more to it. So when I think about kind of a first order kind of categorization, um, I think about technical metadata versus business metadata, for example, or it could be descriptive metadata versus kind of structural, you know, how how's it looking, um, where is it stored, how's it broken out. There are um, data quality metadata, data lineage metadata, there's provenance metadata, usage metadata. All of this provides some context. And I think the Andrew's point about um, you need to know the domain, you need to know the use before you, you know, before you deal with it. I think there are some first order ways of discussing the the kinds of contexts in which you deal with metadata. And it could be the same, it could be the same datum that it's used, but it's used in, in different contexts. So if, and this does go back to, to Joanne's point, it is about um, context, but I think it's also about data dependencies because yeah. very often, what we're looking for is kind of the origins or the pedigree of a piece of data. Um, and I think data dependencies and kind of the, the way you approach dependency investigation is really quite important. This gets to one of my hot buttons, which is, of course, you know, data lineage and data provenance and the differences. Um, if you started with kind of intent, context as a way of you know organizing the description of the data, the primary data, the metadata. I think you'd be ahead of the game. And I don't say that it's you know uh, a 
I don't think it's the, you know, end all be all way of uh, categorizing or creating a taxonomy, but without some sort of context, we're lost. But what do you mean by an intent contact? Or Joanne, if I cut you off. It's okay. Uh, um, I was going to ask a similar question. Is intent the same as purpose? Because I'll give you a, a more concrete example. I had this discussion with someone yesterday. They're trying to create a better customer experience using historians, shop floor data, all, mostly OT, of a small amount of IT kind of back office systems. And mm -hmm. in order to do that, they're trying to find a way to do exactly what we're talking about with either an intention of this is going strictly for customer experience or an, a, or a purpose so that they can use multiple situations under the domain called customer experience. And I asked the question about intent versus purpose, because in my little pea brain, they are very different things. I, I, I think I understand what your, your point here is. Let's start, first of all, with the point that when someone decides one way or another to capture data, it's usually with some intent or some, some purpose in some there's a reason why they're capturing it. Now, maybe it's, it could be simply, you know, the boss told me to do this, but it, it's still, you know, capture, capturing this and you know, onboarding data of some sort is usually done with some intention. Now, here where I, I don't know that I um, quite follow the complete dis distinction between intent and purpose but the the reason why I'm capturing it and also the reason why I'm collecting data about that primary data mm -hmm. this is what this is where we start to get into the domain I'm capturing it because I want to use it for a specific purpose so my intent could be capture the data my further intent is capture this information about the data in order to kind of facilitate downstream somebody's analysis, somebody's purpose. Is that close sort to which? I guess what I'm, uh, <laughs> my view is capture, capture this data, capture the metadata, the information around that data, with the intention that it may have multiple purposes and multiple uses. Yes. And because it may have multiple, sure. that's why I'm asking the question of intent or purpose. Intent, capture the data, capture the metadata, uh, do whatever kind of cataloging you want with it, whatever is yeah. going to be most beneficial to multiple uses, multiple use cases, multiple purposes. Understood. and. Again, I think purpose comes pretty close to what Andrew was mentioning as I just joined uh, about domains. This is, you know, there's a reason, there's a, there is a downstream reason for capturing data, deciding what metadata 
to either capture or generate because it's not just hanging out there. Very often, the kind of metadata that's being captured is is actually constructed. It's yes, it, right. So understood. And the biggest problem I've always encountered in this in this whole conversation is that people start using data that was captured for a particular purpose or set of purposes, and they start trying to use it for something that it wasn't initially intended to be used for. Sometimes it works. Um, you look puzzled, Rob. There are times I, I mean, when I, you... I guess I, my, my, my fundamental assumption is that um, you're, 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 yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, it, I would think that being able to repurpose data is it's inherent. It's inherent in the data. It's, it's, it can be a high priority. Look, let me give you a, <laughs> a an example for which I can also show you scars. Um, <laughs> okay. Log data. Log data is very often um, cap. It, it's captured mm, because okay. you want to know what's happened. But have you captured, you know, all of the information that you need for a particular purpose downstream for in order to provide you with context? People have tried to use log data and fill in blanks um, in thinking about the purpose. It wasn't intended. The information that was captured was not always um, amenable to the analysis later on. It didn't capture everything, didn't capture, um, didn't generate at the, at the right time. And so if I'm sure. capturing, if I'm capturing log, log data simply to have kind of a time sequence and some some guidance as to what happened at that point in time when when uh, a log record was thrown. Um, do I have, for example, all the information that I need uh, to analyze a bunch of SQL uh, requests against the database? Is it, you know, does it, can I get observability data? from just looking at, at logs of, for a SQL database. Uh, kind of, but not really, not all together. Right. So my point here is often what we find ourselves trying to do is, you know, tease out, tease out utility from this data that we're capturing. Okay. The metadata sure. that comes along with it in order to do something that was not originally intended. So I, I'm not. I'm not uh, sure. I have the distinction between the intent and purpose either. But the way that I'm thinking about the framing and what you just gave is like there you're you're kind of missing data and you're trying to reconstruct something that you 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 don't necessarily have all the context for. But in places where you're designing, you know, some strategy to capture data, you you might not have the full purpose and intent that that data will always be used for. And so there's some value to having, you know, may, maybe like maximal metadata available. Yeah, absolutely. You, you want to make that, that those different contexts 
available to whoever might might get to that data later. There are times when you your intention is simply to capture metadata, something about what was going on at that point in time without a clear sense of the purpose for which it's eventually going to be used. That's perfect. That's perfectly reasonable. And, you know, um, I guess my point here is that if we're going to talk about metadata, let's talk about a couple of things. And that is, I believe, intent or to, to give you know, uh, proper attention to Joanne's point. You could have intent and you can know about certain purposes for which it might be used in the future. You can, you can, you might have as a challenge or as a specific goal. This is the kind of data that's going to be used for the following purpose. It could be operational data that I'm going to feed back into my systems in order to find out how well it's operating. Well, I, li- I liked how Joanne built up the, the narrative to get to insight and when she first started talking. Mm-hmm. And, and like my related point is sometimes you don't know what the insights are, but you believe that this will be insightful, right? And that you, you, you like having that data will be some, oh. some, someone somewhere in some time and some place will be able to get some insight from the data. Okay. Well, so uh, after you, excuse me, Joanne, just one point, I'm going to ask the following question. Take that absolutely, you know, I, I, I buy into that. And the, the, diff- the distinction between insight and purpose, great. Downstream, the various purposes, hopefully to get insights. After you make that distinction, if there is, in, in, or categorization, what are the next rational or reasonable categories in which you break this out and the kinds of intent, the kinds of purpose. Is there a, is there a typology that we can, can kind of administer here? I think there is. And, and this is why, you know, the, the notion of getting to insight to me is very germane to the collection of metadata because I'm almost coming to the point in my thought process of saying we need to ca- we need to create a way to categorize categorize metadata for specific intents or purposes. So we're collecting the data, but the insight that we may derive from it ultimately with different contexts can be reused and reusable. And because it's insight that informs decision-making, I'll give you, you know, a more concrete example. What I get off of a machine in terms of operational equipment efficiency or how well that machine is running, I can Mm -hmm. use that to inform customer decisions, supply chain decisions, manufacturing decisions, engineering decisions, and so forth. As I look at all of those different use cases, do I need a way to create a use case sort of taxonomy for metadata? Yeah. So that I can optimize it to its fullest potential today and tomorrow. 
I, I, I agree, Joanne. I just think that we should be using the term ontology instead of taxonomy because the interrelationships <laughs> and the rules associated with it need to be part of the model. Okay. Okay. So I have a question about that, Tyler, and, I, and I'll be quiet in a second. If I use ontology the way I know it to be defined versus taxonomy, then the rules that you're referring to, how do I make those as not to bring in a design method in, how do I make those as nimble rather than agile as possible? Because each of the situations I recounted will have different parameters for the business rules. That's why I sort of went to taxonomy as opposed to ontology to make that part as flexible as possible. Because ERP is going to have different rules than the CRM. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But you could still include CRM, ERP, HR data, product data, customer data, you name it. Right. Within a common ontology. That in, so I think of ontology as a superset of in number of taxonomies. And then, okay. and then superset of the ontology also includes rules, events, at you know, go back to the Wikipedia definition, right? All the interrelationships between these different components. Like I think of, for example, is let let's say that we had an object met, metadata ontology that replaced <laughs> that was my uh, camera. And you guys see me? All right. <laughs> Related to uh, an API endpoint, for example. So you have useful metadata and a bunch of different domains there, right? You have the API contract definition, like what data you can ingest or exfil. Uh, you have cybersecurity uh, constraints. You have context constraints in terms of the relationship between that API endpoint and another API endpoint, the sender and receiver, for example, that includes things like bandwidth and latency constraints, right? So you yep. have all these different data domains around this one API endpoint object, right? And, and so the way I see it is this ontology that encompasses all of that context where for me, a taxonomy is more about the typing definitions of attributes and objects. Right. right? Uh, and, and so that's what I mean when I say ontology is that that richer context across data domains. E okay. Um, we can we could debate this from now until forever. <laughs> Um, yes. I guess the only reason that I look at taxonomy in particular is because if I want to optimize time and I want to optimize um, layering to get to exactly what I need exactly as fast in real time as I need it. And remember, your environments and mine are slightly different, right? I'm talking millisecond response time or or under anything, un anything above uh, 0.5 millisecond and I'm late. I can't deliver what I need to deliver. If you have more than that in terms of timing, then I would agree with you 100%. I'm just trying to like get to the root and keep it that way. So I'd rather have a bunch of different taxonomies. 
Oh, I, I get what we're doing. I get why. Okay, so what's going on is we are confusing the conceptual framework with the implementation detail. Like, so if we're in an environment where we need re real-time sub-millisecond access times, that presupposes a an architecture and a configuration of these different components, right? So within that, when within those IT components, you wouldn't necessarily, you would not, you would definitely not implement an entire metadata ontology model within that subsystem, right? Right. So I agree with you 100% on that, but I think we need to back up and kind of define what does the big picture conceptual model look like? And then how do we skinny that down for each particular constraint for each particular use case? Well, perhaps to Andrew's point, that's domain driven. I think so. I agree with that. Driven. Okay. I mean, but I'm this, fine with that this, as long as okay. I can, I, because I'm thinking big picture, but then mm -hmm. I'm trying to break it down to something very practical that I could say, okay, here's a test bed. Let's go. Let's see if this really works at an at an implementation point. Can <clears throat> excuse me, is there a just kind of gut reaction? Is there a reasonably manageable set of taxonomies given what you've what you've just said, Joanne? Is there is there kind of a um, I won't say a cookbook, but at least a you know a cheat sheet. Yeah. What what's the first what's what's the first breakout of of the kind of collection of taxonomies? If I if all I say is it's domain driven, that that's hard for me to to follow on. If two people were to be talking about the kind of metadata or the taxonomy of metadata to be gathered in a particular situation. Right. How would they come to something close to the same, same result? How would they discuss, how would they discuss it? And Joanne, do you mind if I steal this question? Be or my guest. <laughs> uh, I think that in different data domains, we already have taxonomies that have been partially or fully implemented via things like data schemas and data domain APIs and operational domain. So there's been standardization somewhere. Standardization within a data domain. But the problem we're seeing is now we need to be able to standardize across data domains uh, because to take any action, those increasing, those processes increasingly touch all the data domains. Like, let me give you an example. Like, say a salesperson in California requests a customer data set, and that customer data set includes uh, uh, data from multiple different jurisdictions in Europe, United States, Asia, et cetera, right? So there's all kinds of data domain context related to that request for customer data. We've got HR data, which is implicit in, well, who is the salesperson and do they have the rights to access the information? We have access control and identity. So that's IT domain data. We have the actual 
customer data domain itself, which is implicit in the data model and the CRM, whether it be Salesforce or somebody else. So that one request actually touches half a dozen different data domains around it, which is why I'm arguing so strongly for the whole idea of ontology, because that helps us get up out of all of these standardized within the data domain sets, but not standardized across. So let me rephrase the question. If you you have your ontology, what are at least some of the first order breakouts of of the ontology what's the next what's the next layer of shell of um description after after you yeah if i say the domain is um manufacturing Yep. Uh, if fine. All right. The domain okay, is so, the, so then I would say the next level is probably and and it's going to be the wrong descriptor for it. But I would say break it into time to data, time to decision, and time to value. So in other oh. words, is it OE or OT? Or is it IT or is it somewhere in between those? Because to Tyler's point, you know, OT systems are are within a not not to make a funny out of it, but within a specific domain, right? I mean, they're they're either engineering or manufacturing or production. They're not design. Design feeds into it. But you have you have key, key specific um areas within that manufacturing to, to delivery so, cycle. In, okay. So those areas are maybe what I'm asking for yes. you to kind and of And there are taxonomies. Out. Yeah. There are taxonomies for specific um, areas of, you know, design, make, build. Uh, supply chain would be completely separate from it. This is operational. On the IT side, you'd have, you know, anything that falls within the uh, system of record for ERP or SCM or God knows what, um, you know, uh, uh, CRM systems, um, uh, you'd have regulatory for GDPR and stuff like that as well. You'd also have compliance for materials. And now a new one where you're tracking, trapping and tracing carbon footprint. On materials. So, 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 ES, so each ESG. of those has taxonomies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is related to the, the framing and not everyone has, you know, one millisecond requirements for what they need to return. But if you, if you have, you, you will always have a tension between the, the speed with which you can respond and analyze something and the the precision and accuracy that you can respond so i think depending on the purpose or intent that there might be some higher level taxonomy with all this metadata but for the purpose you're going to have this architecture that's actually going to strip most of that out so that you can make those responses happen that much faster so so there's like 
d- depending on the time scales that you need to respond to, you might you might store and build this, you know, ontology, taxonomy, whatever you want to talk about that's going to give you all this flexibility to analyze it for insight later. But in the point in in the in the purpose, like you might re- remove a lot of that from the architecture so that you can have that that you can meet that time scale requirement. Well, I would tend to agree with you, if, but and, and I'm not trying to be um, um, obtuse here. There we're are certain friends. situations where, pardon? I said, we're all friends here, Joanne. You don't need <laughs> to preface that. <laughs> um, there are certain situations where you actually need that response time uh, and yeah. other situations where you need the data and the metadata, but it becomes not situational context. In other words, if I have to pass data or information from a machine to the next process in a factory, I have to have that very quick time, response time. If I'm using that same data to enhance the customer experience to say, hey, look, when your product was running through your your wonderful shoes from Nike, when they were running through production, did you know that it failed one quality test? And if you have a problem, now we have a way to manage this whole thing and we'll return your money. That's proactivity for Nike. That's incredible customer experience for the customer. That's win, win, win across the board. But you're not going to do that necessarily right away. So I need it for one part of the operation, but not for the other. But but that's the point I'm making is that there's this tension depending on the domain between being able to answer. I mean, the very famous... um, Netflix um, contest where they they put this thing and it's like if anyone can optimize our algorithm for recommendations better than we did then you'll you win a prize and they had all the teams and and at the end of the day what happens is oh well it's more accurate but it takes too long so we're not using it right so they so that that tension between having the best answer and having the answer right now is going to be in a lot of different uh, use cases right yeah and and the the issue of things that are taken, um, the, the use of the data for something uh, post hoc, um, doing you know a quarterly compli- or a monthly compliance audit, uh, you know you're not doing that with millisecond no. types of you know. And again, it's you your intent may be to capture that data such that it meets its immediate you know the immediacy and the latency uh, requirements but your all your intent is also to capture enough data or capture it in a uh, in a way that doesn't get in the way of, of latency such mm-hmm. that at some point later it can be conjoined it can be used for audit it can be used for anomaly detection it can be used for you know um first cause kind of uh error corrections whatever so the 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 issue there rich is that um the vast majority of useful data out there is is legacy right we have uh legacy systems of record legacy um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. data set, databases, et cetera. And we don't really have the opportunity to, to build that in from the ground up. No. And you can't, you can't, you can't go back in time. I get that. 
right? But what you can do is you could attach additional metadata via the ontology to those data sets and say, okay, mm -hmm. well, this is a this is a legacy database, and part of what we're storing is metadata is not just the schema, but like all the all the other traditional yeah. metadata stuff, right? And and, and that's we also. But then we also attach things like attributes, like okay, uh, an attribute could include, for example, the response time constraints uh, for that request, right? So is it, you know, what is the, what are, and then another thing could be uh, locality of the endpoint or locality See, data if, that would feed into that, and 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 if you were doing an end of the LA audit to determine how much met the SLA, how much did not, and then adjust the cost, adjust the price charge as a result. Those are the kinds of things that you, I completely understand, Tyler. I get it. I think where I'm, when, when I'm looking at the d definition of ontology here on Wikipedia, on the, the computer science version, not philosophical, when we think about the the bottom level data objects, we haven't actually defined that in this model yet. When I think of a metadata ontology, I'm thinking like of your your object model includes not just data as traditionally thought about, like a record in a database or a database itself, but all the objects that are relevant to interacting with that data. So that could that could extend to um, process, process, right? And then also state of objects in the infrastructure or state of virtual objects. Um, so so that's that's kind of where if you think about attaching metadata via this ontology to objects beyond the data itself, then it makes a lot of sense to think of things like uh, data governance limitations, application performance requirements, sure. all of that kind of stuff now comes into play because we're attaching this, this non-traditional uh, non approach. Was there something that I said that goes counter to what you just described? No, not at all, Rich. I, oh, okay. What I'm saying Fine. is that that I'm proposing that for that this discussion could be more lead to more operational outcomes if we start by defining tightly what the data objects are that this ontology refers to. Okay. You want to well without trying to be complete what are the kinds of things you, you would see showing up in that? Uh, things like access points, really big on that, right? If you're thinking about like an API ecosystem, data apps, that kind of thing, then attributes related to the access endpoints for application components are really important. Okay. Uh, in other cases, they're less important. But that doesn't mean we have to fully implement the ontology for every every component. So you, you it would be it would be an un, unrealistic to to think about it. But yeah, so having but, but having the having the tool set or 
you know, kind of the, the choices, I guess, is what we're talking about. Yeah. So the bottom objects would be uh, like the traditional data. So a data set, a table or a database or, you know, that traditional stuff. But then also things like um, a user or processor of the data will have a consumer of the data. What's that? Or a consumer of the data. Or and and here's my question. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tyler, but it's it's relevant to the way the road I think you're going down. What about objects? Yeah. You use the example of the API. What about an object, a sensor? Yeah, absolutely. So that that becomes an endpoint, right? But it's not. Well, behind the endpoint is the actual sensor. But that sensor has to communicate with the rest of the world in some method. So at some point, you can attach the attributes of that sensor, like uh, delta E in the sensor uh, 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 telemetry, right? Well, no, it's more like a protocol. And and this is why I. No, this is about the protocol. I'm not talking about the protocol. Okay, but sensors, but sensors pass data via protocols. Okay, so what what protocol should we use? NBIOT. NBIOT. Okay, so that- well, you know, I mean, there there's 25 of them. It's 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 not so simple. My point was really that, you know, APIs. Okay, I get it. They have they are an endpoint. They can be an endpoint, but in the case of other things, other objects, they can be both consumers and producers of data. And they pass their data in a very different way than an API. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They do. So, and, so and that, the, that way, that process or method is another object. And say, if I'm going to extract data from a system, yeah, and then the way I need to know where to access it and I know how to access it. Yeah. And where and how all becomes part of the metadata ontology. And it, it's not happening at the at the at, at the uh, uh, interface layer between the sensor and whatever is accumulating sensor logs and then publishing them to the rest of the world. And if they're not doing that, then the context of data integration makes no sense because it's an isolated system that we're not processing on. I'm, I'm thinking about okay, so how do we implement this right? And yeah. what we need is we need. We, we need to something that we say, okay, we go here for this, and within the ontology, here are the attributes that require us to effectively understand the context and how to use it in that context, right? And so, so for you in the OT world, there's, there's a whole, it's almost like a firewall, right? Behind which none shall pass. Um, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're saying that I can't incur custom engineering if I if I can't if if I can't redesign the protocols in OT, I'm not getting to those individual sensors. You can transform them. You can use a broker. You can use a gateway. You can use a variety of different methods. And those are all things that either 
go into an addition or proliferation of objects in the ontology. So gateway being another object in the ontology. Right. Uh, which you then attach all the rules and attributes related to the relationships of that gateway to other objects within the system that you could interact with. Well, the gateway to a sensor, to an actuator, to a machine, to a human, to a user, to a, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like dominoes from, from that side. But, but the reason that I stopped you was because it's not that IT is so, uh, sorry, OT is so isolated that the data would not flow into IT. Well, it would. Because it will. It, it, it will, and it will flow through uh, uh, bi-directional. Sort of, some sort of intermediary between the OT and IT world, right? So at some point, you've got a gateway that you've got to that that you've got the ability to attach these attributes to in your in your model. And those are just a set of rules, right? Yeah. You've got attributes, but then you also have a set of rules for how you interact with that particular component. And okay. we know because of uh uh you know legacy systems that most systems are not going to have the actual attachment of those rules and attributes to that component in a localized manner. Is the about that. is the purpose? Are you ready? Go ahead. Is the purpose of what you've just described, Tyler, the eventual ability for two or more individuals to come to a uh, description or if we were talking strictly about APIs, it would be a swagger kind of, you know, kind of, uh, description, you know, pasted on the outside of the, the exposed surface that says, this is what I understand. This is what I do. This is what's behind the, behind the curtain here. Are you, are you, kind of creating the basis for what in what you've just described for some someone or something to encounter it for the first time and say ah okay i i understand what's what's here i know what's kind of what's behind the curtain yes yes so as usual, it's three minutes before our allotted time to <laughs> drop the nuclear bomb. Uh, and so the, the use case behind all of my thinking of this is to use artificial intelligence to be able to automatically manage and govern the flow of data and applications across a complex enterprise. Uh, so to do that, a key, yeah. to, to use AI, you have to do data prep for the training data, but then you have to define the training data. And for me, the ontology is the implementation of training data that would re be required for AI to be able to automate the management of data and applications across a hybrid enterprise environment. Oh. Hmm. 
<laughs> we, we, you both got up from Rich and I. So, so we we are we are at the end. I, I think there's another topic here about using AI to, to transform data. Um, I, I I have to say I'm actually a little bit more confused than when I started, which is probably appropriate. Um, I think we all are. Rep, be, well, well, because we kept we we threw in domains in here in a way that I I think got me a little confused. I, I'm I'm looking at ways that we can freely move data back and forth. And, and everything I heard kept feeling like it's actually really hard to move data around um, or reuse data or find its purpose. So, well, and you know. if I can, if I can make it a little happier, Please. <laughs> I'm coming much closer to the idea that we need some form of microservice versus ontology and maybe it's a microservice of ontologies i need to be able to pick up data use it however i need to use it and start to tie together big honking problems without having to duplicate or reduplicate the methods in which i'm pulling that same data i.e. Yeah, quality yeah, control, yes. customer service. Yeah, that's my hybrid integration layer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you have the policy objects that implement the ontology that we're talking about that enable what you just said. Now, I don't have that finished by any stretch. That's something that the industry will evolve for a number of years on. Uh, but that's that's where the direction is going to be. You're absolutely right. It needs a microservice. And we haven't even talked about the whole event-driven architecture approach for how it interacts with the ontology and the different objects. And, <laughs> we have, and why we have, can't we you? have more, more to cover. But hold, yeah. hold on. I do want to I do want to wrap us up on oh. time. Um, I, I have a note just logistics-wise. Next week is Glucon. And so um I could host, but I'm speaking just before that, and I would rather not host. So I'm going to suggest no meeting for next week. Um, and so I'm just going to push the calendar back from that perspective. Makes sense. Um, Makes sense. So the end of expertise, which I think will end up being a Glucon recap, um, is is part of it. And I'll I'll circulate. Um, if you watch my my LinkedIn profiles, I'm, I'll take my link my. Glucon talk, um, which is about generative DevOps, um, but I'll make that available for everybody. So about a 30, 30 minute uh, talk about that. And here's a new one for you, Rob. Yeah. Data ops. Oh, data ops? Oh, yes. My you should see some of my notes on that. Mm. It's just cool. a bad I, I'll, 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 I will add that because that sounds fascinating to the back, backlog. Yeah, let's uh, add data mesh versus data fabric versus data ops. Oh, goodness. Okay. I'm just going to call that data ops because data mesh makes everybody angry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and by then... the way, I need those policies in that data fabric of yours, Tyler. Yes. Yes. I can. I, I'm happy to show you. All right. Not right now, though. Hey, Andrew, thanks for way, joining us. I hope, I hope this was was helpful. We're as as always. This is a, this one is one of our hardest topics to cover. So, 
Hey, we, Andrew, we, circle we, should, a bit. we should chat offline. We both worked at Rackspace at the same time. Did you know that? Uh, that was uh, like a, a very interesting six months for me. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that. But really, more, <laughs> rather what we've done uh, afterwards with like Pivotal and my startup and so. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to chat. Um, I don't know. Send me a note on LinkedIn and we can figure yeah. out. And yeah, Rack, Rackspace was like this this interesting non-technical company that I worked for six months. That was like the only thing, <laughs> the only way anything happened is you had to go to Texas and yell at people. That's true. <laughs> That is uh, actually you just summarized the culture of Rackspace in one sentence. That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Hey, Tyler, <laughs> if you want to catch uh, the complexities of the complexities in my world, um, I'm doing a, a panel for uh, Fast Data on uh, the 25th. Um, listen to the guy from ASML. He's a data scientist, actually an ML programmer. Holy Toledo in complexity. Two different bills of materials. I'm making a machine that lith does lithography for Intel, but I also have to service Intel as a customer. Put that together in your data fabric. Yeah, right next, right next to my uh, recursive functions. Well, he actually has it running. He's about to create digital twins for it. So oh, awesome. Yeah. No, no, it sounds fascinating. You can catch it. It's uh, a virtual summit. So Denota. And that that's 25th? 25th. Yeah. You'll see it on LinkedIn. I've tweeted about it a couple of times. Oh, I had a friend invited me to a Denota sales session here in Atlanta a few years back thinking that he would help me out with some competitive intelligence, only to realize by the end of their presentation that what we do and what they do are not related. No. <laughs> anyway. I knew that at the at the uh, upfront stage. Yeah. Anyway, but we should talk about those policies because I do need them. Yep, absolutely. Adios, amigos. Adios. Hello, everybody. Bye. 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 If you're like me, you find some of these data conversations a little bit confusing. Uh, our panel has such deep knowledge of how and why they would make data useful. It can be a little overwhelming to follow and listen to the conversation. And yet there is no doubt that understanding more clearly how much the domains, the generation, the APIs, context that goes into data um, is essential to being a better consumer of any IT information system. So I hope you got a lot out of this conversation. If you want to be part of this and be uh, involved in helping shape the questions, bring questions or your expertise, join us at the 2030.cloud. Be a regular member, uh, participate in our book club. Uh, we are talking about investments unlimited next. Um, and just join in. We want to hear what you have to say. I'll see you at the 2030.cloud. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put 
operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.